this morning I want to start by showing you a whole lot of images on the screen and uh, it's going to be interactive. I'm going to ask you a question about each of the images and you're going to put up your hand. And I'm going to ask you to look at the image and then I'm going to ask you if you see like one thing or the other thing. So I want your first response. You may see different things after you look at it for a moment, but I'm interested in the first thing that you see when you look at this image. And I'm going to ask you to put up your hand if you see the first thing I mentioned or put up your hand if you see the second thing that I mentioned. Does that make sense? The first one of these, I'm sure that you've all seen it before, but other ones you may not have. So let's have a look at this first picture. Hand up if you see a young woman in this image. All right, hands down. Hands up if you see an old woman in this image. Interesting. I don't know where to stand either. I'll just stand back here. All right, next image. Hand up if you think this man is looking straight at us. Hand up if you think he's looking side on. Ah, very cool. All right, next one. Hand up if you see a tree and a bird. Hand up if you see a gorilla and a lion. Interesting. All right. Next one. Hand up if you see a vase. Hand up if you see two people facing one another. Okay. Last one. Hand up if you see two old people face to face. Hand up if you see two young men, one with a guitar. Oh, yeah. There you go. That was good. Well done. I don't know if you paid attention to people around you and what that, what hands they put up. That's just going to like stick with you now, isn't it? You can't unsee that one. <laughs> All right. Do you need me to point out the guys with the guitar yeah. here and here? Yeah. Face, face. Yeah. All right. I'll put it up at the end of the service over morning tea, and you can all ponder that one. I um. I wanted to put up these images because I wanted to look at the different perspectives that we can all have looking at exactly the same thing. These are all optical illusions. If you just Google op optical illusions, you could spend all day just looking at all these different pictures. Um, and I think, do you remember a few years ago, like the internet broke about a dress and the colour of the dress? Was it blue and gold? Do you remember the dress? Anyone? There was this dress and half the population of the world, it seemed, was adamant that it was blue and the other half was adamant it was gold. And things like got heated between friends who just could not understand how you could not see that the dress was the colour that you saw. And it was this idea of perspective and that it became very obvious pretty quickly that sometimes if people don't see your perspective... You either think they're crazy or they're just completely and utterly wrong. And it's this idea of perspective that I actually want to talk about um, today. We are in a single kind of one-off week. And uh, I love it when Troy uh, includes me in the preaching team. It's one of the, the great things I get to do. I'm not a fan, though, when he says, just preach on whatever you want. I don't find that helpful. I've given this feedback many times, but he still says, preach on whatever you want. So I've been thinking about this Sunday for months because we did Living in the Light. We finished that a couple of weeks ago. We did Celebration Sunday last Sunday. We're well and truly into Christmas. And so there's this week that I've known that I've been able to preach on anything. 
And so I've been asking God, what, 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 what? And so as I've been doing that, God um, gave me a single word and also a phrase. That single word is the word perspective. Um, and the phrase is a phrase from Isaiah 50, which is a word in season. And a word in season simply means a message or um, a message or a word that is specific to a time, to a place, and to a group of people. And so today, um, for Engage Community Church, those gathered in the room or online, what was it that God wanted us to hear today? What is it that he wanted me to say? And so... It was pretty clear that God wanted me to talk about this idea of perspective as our word in season. And if you need a definition, perspective simply means a way of thinking about or understanding something. And I think the reason why God wanted me to talk about this is because as a church, we have experienced a lot in the last however many years. I'm going to say four years because that's as long as Troy and I have been here. And uh, it was just so lovely to see um, Troy's anniversary honoured last week. It was just beautiful. So thank you for doing that. It was very special. But obviously we don't know, we haven't experienced anything here post four years ago, but obviously significant things have happened. Just in the last, you know, four or five years, let's just think about what this church has experienced the sale of our church home of, you know, at least 15 years, I think. You guys got a new senior minister. Uh, We changed locations, changed name, changed logos, uh, changed constitutions. Um, We've decided a few weeks ago to, to sell the land that we have and kind of step into this period of unknown, as well as a global pandemic. That's a lot. That is a really a lot. And for even, I don't know, it feels like so long ago, but it wasn't that long ago that we were worshipping by ourselves in our homes for over six months across two years. And that's just us as a church. That does not take into consideration anything that you guys have experienced as, a, as an individual, as a family in your circle. A lot has happened in the last four or so years. But not only that, not only is all of that a lot when you kind of think about it and reflect on it, but each one of us has experienced those things differently. We've experienced different things in different ways. And so we will have a lot of different perspectives. We will have a lot of different, you know, ways of thinking about or understanding the things that have happened to us and how we feel about them. And we saw that from those images that we all looked at a few minutes ago, that the same people can be looking at exactly the same thing and see things completely differently. And so these differing perspectives is actually really normal. So normal, in fact, that I want to share a story with you from the Old Testament today. Shock horror that I'm going to talk about the Old Testament. But this story that just shows two different perspectives happening at exactly the same time and what we can kind of learn out of that. And this is a story that we probably don't talk about very often, but it's a story that we read about in the historical writings in the book of Ezra. We um, also read about it in the prophetic writings in the book of Haggai. 
But this morning I want to look at some of these passages and if you've got your Bibles with you, you can start to kind of find the book of Ezra. But there's a lot that kind of happens before it that I just want to kind of summarise in my own words before we actually look at the text. Because we don't have time for me to read all of it. But the things that have happened in the lead up, if you like, to where this story that I want to talk about today happens. And um, everyone kind of knows, I assume, who King David was. Um, King David, you know, the great King David. But our story that we want to talk about today actually um, starts 14 generations later. This is about 420 years after King David. And for some perspective, um, if King David was like the king who reigned over the golden age of Israel... Then 14 generations later, this kind of particular time, it's like the dark, it's the opposite. It's the dark ages of Israel. And so 14 generations later, we've got Israel is actually split into two. We've got the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom and they're completely two different entities at this point. And for generations, we've had kings of Israel who despised God, didn't want anything to do with following his laws or regulations and any of those kind of things. And as a result, the whole northern kingdom was destroyed. It ceased to exist. It was conquered by, you know, the superpower of the time, which was the Assyrians, and the northern kingdom just didn't exist anymore. But 100 years later, after that crisis, there's a new superpower. The Assyrians are conquered by the Babylonians, a new superpower, and again now the southern kingdom is in peril. And basically they are conquered and they are carried off in chains to Babylon. Jerusalem is destroyed. The centrepiece of Jerusalem is destroyed. The temple, the place that is so sacred to them, the place that God himself dwelt is gone. It's rubble. And they are walked off in chains for months and months to Babylon. For those of you who like dates, we're talking about 590 to 580 BC, about now. And we read about this whole story in the book of 1 and 2 Kings. We read about it. The prophets Ezekiel and Jeremiah talk about it. The the lamenting is in the book of Lamentations. All the details of this story, if you want to read it for yourself. But basically, the Jewish people are living in captivity in Babylon. And at this point, they have this shared perspective a shared perspective because everything has gone wrong. Everything they love has been destroyed and the God that they think loves them, it seems like their perspective is is that he's abandoned them. But things change. They're in captivity for about 50 years, which isn't a long period of time really, until another superpower comes through doesn't care as much about keeping them in captivity. This is the Persians and the Jewish people are allowed to return to Israel. That's where our story is set. They've returned to Israel and before them is the the task of rebuilding Jerusalem, rebuilding the temple, rebuilding the walls. And so about 42,000 people come back. They bring their offerings and they start to rebuild their lives. That's where we open our story today. It's a time of great trauma. It's a time of great change and uncertainty, not only for the individual people that have experienced this, but also for them as a community of faith. 
And in the same way as us, as engaged community church, all those things that I rattled off that we have experienced in the last four to five years, we've all experienced it as individuals, but we've also experienced it collectively as a community of faith. This community of faith is no different. This community of faith has experienced these things as well. And I think there's a part of the story that comes up that we're quite familiar with. Who's familiar with Nehemiah and the building of, of the, the walls? Kind of the, everyone just had to build their part of the wall. It's like the Jerusalem version of the block. It's like, <laughs> here you go, just build that bit and the next person will build that bit. We're kind of familiar with that as they rebuild. But something actually happens before they start to rebuild. The book of Nehemiah tells us about that. But before the book of Nehemiah, there's the book of Ezra. And in the book of Ezra, they start to rebuild the temple. That's what I want to pick up now. If you've got your Bibles with you, I want to tell you just a little bit about this and read to you from Ezra chapter 3. What happens right before they build the walls, but this moment of differing perspectives. I want to read to you some excerpts. I'm just going to jump around a bit from Ezra chapter 3. I want to start in verse 7, if you're following along. Then the people hired masons and carpenters and bought cedar logs from the people of Tyre and Sidon, paying them with food, wine and olive oil. The logs were brought down from the Lebanon mountains and floated along the coast of the Mediterranean Sea to Joppa, for King Cyrus had given permission for this. The construction of the temple of God began in mid-spring, during the second year after they arrived in Jerusalem. The workforces were made up of everyone who had returned from exile. This is the 42,000. The Levites, who were 20 years old or older, were put in charge of rebuilding the Lord's temple. Then if we jump down to verse 10. When the builders completed the foundation of the Lord's temple, the priests put on their robes and took their places to blow their trumpets. And the Levites, and the Levites descendants of Asaph, clashed their cymbals to praise the Lord just as King David had prescribed. With praise and thanks, they sang this song to the Lord. He is so good. His faithful love for Israel endures forever. Then all the people gave a great shout, praising the Lord because of the foundation of the Lord's temple had been laid. But many of the older priests, Levites and other leaders who had seen the first temple wept aloud when they saw the new temple's foundations. The others, however, were shouting for joy. The joyful shouting and the weeping mingled together in a loud noise that could be heard far in the distance. This is a story of such great triumph for the people of Israel after a time of great trauma and tragedy. But do you notice the two different perspectives in this moment? Within this same group of people, who have experienced the same thing, there are two different, very obvious perspectives as they lay this foundation stone. As they lay this foundation stone of their sacred temple, there is great jubilation and celebration, great praise and thanksgiving to God, but simultaneously in the very same moment, there are what those who are devastated. Did you see that in verse 12? But many of the older priests, Levites and the other leaders who had seen the first temple wept aloud. Remember, it has been 50 years since Jerusalem was destroyed. 
And those there that were old enough to remember the original temple, they were devastated at what they had seen and what was before them. This new temple, even just from the foundations, is going to pale in comparison to what they remember. But the younger ones, they either don't remember or weren't born and have no concept of what came before. They have nothing to compare it to. And so this opportunity to rebuild the temple is phenomenal. They can't contain their excitement. But can you see in this moment these two opposing perspectives? So strong is this differing perspective that even the prophet prophet Haggai talks about it later. In Haggai chapter 2 verse 3, the prophet says, Does anyone remember this house, this temple, in its former splendor? How in comparison does it look to you now? It seems like nothing at all. But now the Lord says, be strong, Zerubbabel. Be strong, all you people still left in the land. Now go get to work for I am with you, says the Lord of heaven's armies. I love that God here is strong enough to cope with both disillusionment and disappointment. I love that he acknowledges that both things can be true at the same time. That he acknowledges both of these perspectives but reminds them that irrespective of their perspective, he is still with them in the midst. Now obviously I can make some really easy, clear parallels between this Old Testament story and our community of faith and what we've experienced at Engage in our quest for a new home. That's an easy comparison to make. There are obviously those amongst us who have been praying for where we thought our new church home was going to be, probably seen visions of it, prayed for it. And even though a few weeks ago we 100% voted in favour of changing direction, it doesn't mean that there's probably not grief associated with that decision. And there may be some in the room or some listening to my voice who actually might feel a little like the older priests and Levites who wept at the rebuilding of the temple because they knew it paled in comparison to what was originally there. I know that some of you may identify with that, but I also know that there are some here who probably don't even know where Kajigong Road is. Never been to the site not really aware of it, know we voted about something, but it hasn't been in your experience. You've joined us since then. You've joined um, and engaged in a time where we've never had a permanent church home. You're excited about the unknowingness that is before us. You're embracing that with gusto, saying, like, bring it on. Both of these perspectives can be true at the same time. And God says to both, Exactly the same thing. I am with you. I'm a God who is unchanging, a God who is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow, and says, I am with all of you, irrespective of your perspective. And while that is definitely an easy comparison to make, when we read this story, it's not the only comparison that we can make. Every single one of us will see and experience things differently all the time. We will always have differing perspectives to those around us 
and those that we do life with. And sometimes our differing perspective is obvious to everybody. But most of the time, I actually think our differing perspective is something that we hold quietly to ourselves. It can be something that is subtle. It can be something, the fact that we have a different perspective on something can actually be something we keep quite close and quiet to ourselves. But there's an isolation that can come when we feel like we have a different perspective to everybody else. And you know what? When I kind of think about this story in Ezra, I just imagine these older priests, these older Levites, these, these men who were probably just sitting to us to the side, just surrounded by celebratory chaos, yet they're sitting there weeping. I'm sure there was isolation in that. I'm sure there was isolation in that. And I know that I have felt isolation in a differing perspective before as well. You know, for years and years and years, a long time ago now, but for years, I refused to go to church on Mother's Day. Just no. Not at all. It was too painful. Way too painful because I was isolated from a different perspective about this day. This second, you know, second Sunday in May that everybody loved and so they should. But Mother's Day was not a day of celebration for me, certainly not for us, but definitely not for me. Years and years of infertility meant that going to a public place when everyone was celebrating the thing that we could not manage was torture, particularly as all our friends started getting pregnant and all our friends had their baby, including my younger sister. There's just no way on earth I'm putting myself, surrounding myself with people with a much different perspective of this day. And I didn't blame anybody for having a different perspective, not at all. But there was isolation when it simply was not my perspective. Keeping with the parenting theme, you know, Troy and I again have a very different perspective than we did 90 days ago. 89 days ago, our daughter moved to the other side of the world. So now I have a very different perspective every time I see, like, a father and daughter in a photo or together or a mother and daughter or a family walking down the street, particularly if there's three of them. My perspective of that now is very different. Brings a wave of missing our girl. And don't get me started on the Christmas aspect of that. A wave of missing her. Being able to give her a hug, being able to actually be in the room with her. Her moving to the other side of the world has changed our perspective of images and scenes and experiences that were completely different like 90 days ago. And that's actually not going to change our perspective, our um, our different way of thinking about her, our different way of understanding what our family looks like now it has changed because our perspective has changed and it won't change back for another 186 days. <laughs> Not that we're counting. You see, our perspectives are always going to change. We are always going to either see things differently than another person or we're going to see differently, things differently than we ourselves did a day ago 
or a week ago or a month ago or a year ago or a decade ago. Our perspectives will always change, but God's does not. He is constant. And while we may not see it or understand it, we can rely on it and we can trust it. You know, a friend of mine reminded me of Isaiah 55 a few weeks ago, the message um, translation, the message paraphrase, I mean. And I just want to read this part of this to you because if we are ever in doubt of who God is and what he is in control of and the, the constancy of him, I feel like these words just remind us. So Isaiah 55 from the message paraphrase says this from verse 8. God says, I don't think the way you think. The way you work isn't the way I work, God decrees. For as the sky soars above the earth, so the way I work surpasses the way you work. And the way I think is beyond the way you think. Just as rain and snow descend from the skies and don't go back until they've watered the earth, doing their work of making things grow and blossom and producing seed for farmers, for food, for the hungry, so will the words that come out of my mouth not come back empty-handed. They will do the work that I sent them to do. They will complete the assignment I gave them, says the Lord. So you'll go out in joy. You'll be led into the whole and complete life. The mountains and hills will lead the parade bursting with song. All the trees of the forest will join in the procession, exuberant with applause. No more thistles, but giant sequoias. No more thorn bushes, but stately pines. Monuments to me, to God, living and lasting evidence of God. Irrespective of our perspective, God is constant. And that, to me, is the word in season that we need to hear at the end of 2023 as we reflect not only on our four-plus years at Engaged Church, but as you reflect on the differing perspectives that you might have at the moment in your life. I want us to know without a doubt that whether you are isolated by a differing perspective or whether you're in the midst of, you know, the majority perspective, God is always the same. He's always for us and he's always with us. And we are reminded of that none so more than at this time of Christmas. This time of Christmas where we celebrate the birth of Jesus and we read out passages like Isaiah 7 verse 14, which I'm sure you've heard so many times. But when we look at this and when we read it and it says, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son and we and will call him Emmanuel which means God is with us. There is no better time than Christmas to be reminded of our ever-present, never-changing God, the one who sent his son to not only just be with us but to save us and to reconcile us to himself But that leads me to one last perspective photograph challenge for you this morning. And in a few minutes, I'm going to get Kate to put two images on the screen. And I'm not going to ask you for your response. I'm not going to ask you to put up your hand. You will know your response as soon as you look at them. 
I want to put up two images and I want you to think about which represents the perspective that you have of Christmas right now. And as we go into our final two weeks before Christmas, I want you to think about which represents Christmas for you right now. Let's have a look. With those first images, I was like, what is the first one that you could see in those images where you could see two different things? As you look at these two separate images, which one do you know actually represents your perspective of the moment of Christmas? Because one has a much greater gravitational pull than the other, doesn't it? And so as we go about the busyness of our day, of the week ahead, of the fortnight ahead, which represents your Christmas perspective? And what other perspectives are you struggling with at the moment? We just thank you that no matter what has happened, is going to happen in our future, whoever we are, whatever we think or feel, it actually doesn't matter to you because you love us the same. You are with us in the same way. Holy Spirit, we thank you that you are our advocate, that you are our helper in the midst of this. Lord Jesus, we thank you. We just thank you for who you are, our saviour. But Lord, this morning as we sit here, as we stand and sing now, those of us who need prayer, those of us who are struggling with a different perspective, just help us to be confident that we can come to you and knowing that you will wrap your arms around us because you are our loving God our Heavenly Father. We thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.